Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Our special guest now is Ian Jaded, author, artist, public speaker. His first novel, Tripping the Field, is an occult adventure through shamanism, lucid dreaming, and the potential of human consciousness. His art and writings, by the way, inspired by more than 25 years of lucid dreaming and astral projection. His aim is to describe the mechanics of paranormal states of awareness in a very direct manner. Ian, welcome to the program. Looking forward to chatting with you. Thank you, George. Thanks for having me on. Tell me a little bit more about yourself. How did all this evolve for you? Well, so, uh, and let me know how my voice is coming through. I know we had a little bit of a hiccup there at first, so just let me know. Sure. But, uh, in the meantime, I'll just, you know, I'll just keep rambling. So, <laughs> I, I'm 47. All of this started happening to me very spontaneously at about the age of 19. So we're talking about, I mean, about 30 years ago now. And my very first experience with this, as I said, it happened spontaneously. I had never heard of the term lucid dreaming. I'd never heard of uh, really astral projection, or I never really knew what that meant. And when it first happened to me, you know, this was before the Internet was really a thing. I really Mm -hmm. did not have a lot of resources, and I kind of had to scramble through books and, you know, know, trying to find something uh, at libraries or bookstores or whatnot on on the occult. So that's when it first started when I was 19. And I knew immediately after my first experience, because it was so impactful, the first thing that I knew is, for sure, I knew that whatever had happened to me was something not natural. Well, that maybe that's the not the right term. Something that was very rare, perhaps natural, but something that was very rare. It was outside of anything I had ever experienced. How did you mesh your artwork with the supernatural, the lucid dreaming, the consciousness and projection? Well, that was easy because uh, these visionary states I would go into, and uh, I know you've had some lucid dreamers and uh, some researchers on your shows before, but let me take a second and just make sure that anyone who is new to this subject, let me take a second first and describe exactly what lucid dreaming is, if I can. So when we talk about lucid dreaming, a lot of people think think that it means that I had a very intense dream state, something that was really uh, vivid. And that's not exactly what we're talking about. When we talk about a lucid dream, we're talking about that you become fully aware that you are dreaming while you are dreaming. And that is extremely important. I I don't really care how vivid the dream is or really what's going on in the dream, but the key aspect is that you become fully conscious that you are dreaming. And once that happens everything takes on a completely different context. The dynamics of your consciousness are completely shifted at that point. And after some 30 years of experiencing these states, I would say that specifically, what's actually going on is that we are disconnecting from the narrative of the dream. As you know, anyone who's has any kind of dream states whatsoever, those who remember their dreams. Dreams usually have very strange storylines. I mean, they can, you know, they can, anything can happen in a dream, right? And we accept that storyline at face value, don't we? You know, we can have a dream of 
we can be anyone, we can be any person, any sort of identity, you know, on any planet, on any date and time. And, you know, while it's happening, we don't question it. We accept it at face value, and we kind of go along with the dream. It's only until later when we wake up and we go, well, that, that's ridiculous, that's crazy. So the difference with lucid dreaming is that you are able to stop in the present moment. You are able to disengage from that narrative. And, and, I, and I, I'm, a big, I'm a big proponent of the, the concept of narrative with this, with this lucid dreaming and the astral projection, which we'll get to in a moment. But when you disengage from that narrative in your dream, you pull back into the present moment and you can see it for what it is. And when that happens, usually, in my case and for most people's cases, you have a greater control over what's happening. You are kind of suddenly a god in your own uh, microverse, so to speak. You can kind of control the, the dream if you wish to, but you are completely aware that you are you know, completely awake, you know, that you're asleep. You even know about what time it is often. I, I would. I would know what, what position my body would be laying in, essentially. And from there, from that point on, once you wake up, uh, the visionary states can get so intense that people often describe, and it's the way I would describe it, they become more real than anything you've experienced in your daily life. It, it's more actually real. fun. Yes. It's 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 uh, it's it's euphoric, isn't it? It's it's it can be euphoric. It can also be frightening in some cases. In the so beginning, we can sure. Talk about that a little bit too, because it's it, the boundaries on your consciousness at that point uh, become very blurred. Uh, you, you you know anything can happen. So you asked about my artwork. So you know, let me touch on that really quick. Let me sure. answer your question. That from those lucid states, I wanted to. I knew uh, everything about me. Once I got into this lucid dreaming, I wanted to share this with other people. I wanted them to experience what I did. So one of the ways I was doing it originally, and what I still do is through my artwork, I try to create the the feeling that I had in those states, and I wanted to try to project it on the canvases so that people, you know, when people see these euphoric images, they can kind of get maybe a flavor, a little bit of a taste for what these states are like. And I know that other lucid dreamers look at my artwork and they go, yeah, that's it. That's, that's, the, that's that euphoria. That's that sense of uh, intensity and bliss. Now, since this has been happening for you, can you lucid dream at will? I can't. I can't either. And isn't that funny that I've been doing this for 30 years and there are I have studied every technique under the book. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways to, to induce lucid dreams. I was lucky. I, these things started happening to me spontaneously. You know, like I said before, I had any knowledge of it. And in retrospect, I've, I couldn't be more grateful for that because one of the biggest problems we are lacking today is the Internet. We have an Internet, and we have so many thousands and thousands of people with a lots of information, disinformation. Uh, perhaps they've read a book and they think they're now a shaman or a guru, and they're offering a lot of information on online and whatnot. And uh, I was lucky that I, I kind of had to just go into this uh, blindly, and I kind of had to learn as I went. So, but it, they always kind of happen spontaneously, and they still do. They'll just happen. They just kind of turn on. And uh, now I was able to learn techniques to control the dream, those were very important. I learned a lot of techniques on how to keep my focus and uh, 
ground myself in these states so I could stay in them longer and longer. But initially kicking them in, I honestly couldn't tell you what, what it was that kicked them in, but uh, there's nothing special about me. I was, I was not doing any hallucinogens at the, at the time when I was 19, at least. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's kind of a question I get. So what kind of drugs were you on? I wasn't on anything uh, at all, and they just kind of started happening. Now, you also have mentioned that uh, you're an atheist. So by, by being an atheist, you don't believe in God. Exactly. But, but, but what, what do you believe in? I believe in consciousness. And, and I would say that when I say that I'm an atheist, I, I sort of put an asterisk at the end of that, if that makes sense. Uh, it's my way of trying to direct people back to the idea that perhaps there is no supernatural. And by that, I simply mean that it's perhaps all, all of these things are completely natural, and we just simply don't have the the framework, the context, or the the way to research consciousness directly. I mean, I'm sure that with all your studying yourself, George, I'm sure you know that consciousness is always that hard problem in science. We, how do you define it? What is it exactly? You know, and now I have my definition of consciousness. I believe that consciousness to me is a, a field of energy that is essentially not different than, say, the electromagnetic field, perhaps. And it is something that, as I've been studying this for years and years, the best way to describe it for me, I, I describe it as it's a ground state for energy and matter. It is like the base truth that the universe seems to be built off of, from energy and matter all, you know, all the way up to uh, cells, to molecules, to you know, the full build, building blocks of life. I think beneath all of it, Consciousness is somehow a raw, primordial thing that has always existed, and the only thing that limits it, or appears to make it seem limited, is, and I'm going to go back to that story of narrative, it goes back to narrative. We are attached to storylines, and we are a strange species that we get, you know, we talk to ourselves, we have a lot of stories that go on in our heads. And our relationship with narrative seems to bind that consciousness to our bodies. It seems to bind us to all sorts of things in our lives uh, that creates all sorts of unnecessary stresses and fears and limitations. And uh, I'm all about moving beyond all of that. Now, let, let's, let me ask you this question again about, about God. Do you believe that the, everything that we see, touch, that was created was done by a universal kind of accident, or was there some kind of intelligent design behind it? I think that, like I said, raw consciousness, I believe, is at the base of everything. Okay? So I wouldn't say that it's an accident. I would say that perhaps if, if you want to call that primordial consciousness a god, I suppose so, but I don't see it as something that is able to you know, our primordial consciousness is not something that has an identity. It's below that. It is below desire. It's below good and evil. It just simply is aware. It's a, it's a pure awareness. So that's, that is what I see at the base of everything. And everything springs out from that, perhaps spontaneously. Uh, and I think, like I said, uh, I think that's a perfectly natural phenomenon. I don't think it's a supernatural thing. I think it's perfectly in line with nature. Do you believe in life after death, Ian? I believe that there, 
ultimately is no death for consciousness. I think that absolutely your body dies, and there's no question about that. I think that consciousness was never created. I don't think that it was ever born at this point. Uh, so when we, uh, when our bodies die, I think it we become aware again. We kind of sink back into that primordial consciousness, and there's not even a sinking. We already are that. I mean, there is no actual, you know, there is no really going back. It's all dropping of this storyline that we have about who we are, and we have a storyline about our bodies. We have a storyline about where we are in our life and our name and our job and yada, 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 and that is what dies, definitely, and when that dies, we detach from that and we become more conscious. So I would say that at the end of life, there is even more intensity and more consciousness to be had afterwards. If you were going to lucid dream or astral project, just one, which would it be? Oh gosh, astral projection. Uh, That is where you really move beyond the body. So in lucid dreaming and astral projection, uh, I, I learned the hard way that they are connected. I had no idea at the time. I had that's that's become more accepted, you know, with our com- of their uh, you know, modern day information. But at the time, I didn't realize how they were how they were connected. I would start going into these states where I would become I would wake up, and then I would have what appeared to be sort of a dream of leaving my body, and I would be able to sort of disengaged from my body, and then I could go find, I started finding friends and family. Some of them would be hundreds of miles away from where I was, and I would start observing them. You know, what's my mom doing uh, back outside of Chicago while I was in college in uh, southern Indiana? I'd be able to watch exactly what she was doing. I could see the clock on the wall. I could see what she was wearing, uh, you know, what she was cooking in the morning for breakfast and whatnot. Later on, I would go I would make a phone call to mom. I started doing this fairly, uh, trying to be scientific about it, if that makes sense, and say, hey, mom, what were you doing at, you know, exactly 7 a.m.? You have to narrate to me what was going on bit by bit. And at the time, to my horror, I would say that people started relating the exact thing that I was seeing. And that, frankly, that freaked me out. I I didn't really want to hear that. Did it scare you? Well, sure. I mean, because that, that showed me... That proved to me, after enough experiences and enough talking to people, that proved to me that, <laughs> well, these aren't just dreams taking place in my head. You know, there's sort of a, a safety that I could imagine. You know, even though I was waking up and becoming aware I was dreaming, I never really imagined that this meant that I could now disengage from my body somehow, that my that some part of me, my, my base consciousness, could now disassociate from my body and go travel other places and see what was going on. I mean, that was kind of frightening because, and and what's funny is that uh, even today, a lot of people who come to me with questions, you know, they have these concerns like, hey, you know, what if, what if I couldn't come back to my body? You know, could I get exactly. lost out there? Or that cord, could it get snapped? <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, people have talked about that cord. I've never seen, you know, I've never seen that, that, traditional, that stereotypical, that the silver cord that attaches you to your body. I've personally never seen that, but I've, I definitely have felt, I guess you would say, a pull. Uh, there are times where my body starts to wake up or something's going on with my physical form, and I'm, it's like I'm being yanked back, and I can feel this 
something pulling on me, and I'm kind of snapped back into my body, and it and it takes me a moment to kind of, you know, readjust myself. Apparently, but, when you're in your astral state, it and you're still alive, obviously. Yes. The the cord is connected to your physical body, and sure, let's say you go to an outer region of the universe, that cord would become even like string thin but it's still attached to your body it it just will not snap but it does snap when you die that's what perhaps. i've always heard well perhaps and i also think again that's another narrative that i also don't i i'm a person who's trying to get rid of every every storyline uh that i that i can and and trying to take a look at what's actually real so when we talk about that idea of like and I would say that the spiritual community, and I'm not picking on them, but in many ways they come with a lot of storylines about lucid dreaming and astral projection. They they come with a lot of dogma, almost like in many religions would. And and I've heard that story about you know the idea of how this cord works. You know the idea of like you imagine it getting thinner, just as you said, as you move further out. I don't really see it that way. I I don't think that consciousness is necessarily like that. Now, perhaps we experience like that for some reason, but I, I don't really even think anymore that, that there is something actually leaving my body. I see that consciousness, perhaps, is not localized at all. Let me say that one more time in case that's, you know, to wrap your head around it. I don't think there is any localization to consciousness. I think it is everywhere. So the idea that that something is leaving the body and there's some sort of cord between the two. I don't really buy that anymore. I'm starting to feel more and more that perhaps that's just another story that we're telling ourselves that, you know, I'm, I'm in this ball of whatever and I'm leaving my body and then I come back to my body. I think that there is no coming and going. I think ultimately consciousness perhaps is everywhere. Like I said, I believe it's the ground state for everything beneath the universe. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.